You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 tonight. Don't stand and uh, in it... And for those of you, you know, that are afraid of what's happening next, it's not, not going to be a full-length sermon, um, but, it's, but your, your engagement level will determine the, the length of the sermon, okay? So there you go. So I, there's an amen. There you go. Thank you. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 6 is where we're going to be, and, and we'll be there in just a minute. But um, a week ago Sunday, uh, Brother Hardy uh, dealt with Romans 121, and I was thinking, what a perfect lead-in to the Thanksgiving season. And for those of you that were here a week ago, Sunday, he preached about being unthankful and thankfulness. And Romans 121 says, uh, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And it was a great message on gratitude, and, and, and it reminded me, though, we dealt with that verse quite a bit in our series uh, earlier this year quieting a noisy soul. Very often we would start in Romans chapter 1. And, and I just want to remind you of that thought process. The issue that leads to unthankfulness is unbelief. And we talked about that quite a bit, that those folks in Romans 1, they knew God. It says because that when they knew God, so they were aware of God, but they glorified him not as God. And so the idea um, is that yes, you know God and he reveals himself and you are aware of him, but you decide to redefine him in a way that's not accurate. And so that, the, over there, that's how God is, but you somewhere over here decide, well, I, I, that's not the kind of God that I want to serve. So uh, I'll redefine him to fit my needs and my expectations. And when that happens, the gap between what or who God really is and what we decide for him to be, that gap gets filled in with unbelief because we automatically start to apply wrong expectations to God that he is not obligated to. And, and it leads to unthankfulness. Here's why. Because if I think that God should be like this, but he's really like that, then I will start to be unthankful or discontent because I'm thinking, why isn't God the way I want him to be? And, the, and so you say, well, how, how does that, re, I mean, help me understand it a little bit better. I'm going to use my wife as an example tonight, okay? Um, and I'll just say, I'm using her as an example. I'm very thankful for my wife, okay? It's Thanksgiving, and I want to say that before I get myself in trouble tonight, okay? Um, sometimes I watch her manage our home and, and watch her manage our family and, and the meals and the cleaning and the laundry and honestly, even very often on a weekly basis, multiple times a week, helping me with things even that I'm doing for the church or for ministry purposes. And there are, it's very often that I look at her and I think she must be a superhero. I mean, any, I mean, all the wise men in here will say to that, they'll say, amen, right? Okay, right, okay. Say, all she's missing is a cape. 
I, I can never do all the things that she does. But let's say, though, because I view her as a super... Now, is she really a superhero? Well, not technically, and you say, well, there's no such thing. Okay, but just pretend with me, okay? She's not really a superhero, but because I view her as a superhero, then I begin imagining that my wife would do what superheroes do. And what kind of things do superheroes do? What? What's that? They fly, okay? I know it's pretend. Let's just have fun, okay? They fly. What else do they do? I'm expecting. What? They have powers. They run fast, right? Say it again. They save the day. Well, she does do that, so she qualifies, okay? All right, what else? What do superheroes do? They're indestructible, right? Um, they've got super speed. They, they're super strong. What else? They beat... They beat up bad guys and stop robberies. That's right. What other superpowers do they have? Anybody else? They read minds. Okay, once again, she qualifies. So, so all these things, the teletransporting, I mean, but she's very engaged tonight. So, you know, if that's what, so listen, if that's what superheroes do, and I assume that my wife is a superhero, then I might start asking questions like this. Why doesn't she fly? Or where's her super strength? Um, you know, she's fast. Okay, we got to be mindful not to draw all the attention to us tonight. What's her super? Well, you know, I might think, where's her super strength? I mean, if she's fast, but is she as fast as a speeding bullet? I mean, she does have eyes in the back of her head, we know, because all moms do. But where are her laser eyes? You know, see, project, see, and, and, and I, I say that in a funny way, but I want you to get it seriously. Projecting something about her that, that isn't true might cause me to become discontent with what she actually is. See, that's the idea in Romans 1, is that God is who he is, but when we try to define him as something to meet our expectations... It creates this discontentment in us and it shows up as ingratitude. Because if he doesn't meet my expectations, then I'm growing discontent with who he is. And I'm becoming unthankful for him even though he's an incredible God. I mean, it's just like with my wife. If my wife, my wife is everything, and I'll say this publicly, and hopefully you would too, men, about, about your wife. My wife is everything that I could have asked for and more. But in my mind, if I create unattainable expectations, then I'll no longer be with content with my wife as she is. And if I can do that to my wife, and the folks in Romans can do that to God, then we better watch out for the tendency that we have to stop appreciating the things what we have, and think we need something more to be content. See, Ecclesiastes 6 is about this very thing. Solomon is talking about the dangers of thinking that the more you have, the more satisfied you're going to be. And he, he had tried it all, right? We talked about that Sunday morning. He lived a life and he had all kinds of regrets. And he found out it doesn't satisfy like he thought it would. Look at verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9 and actually, I'm just going to start, because of context, start in verse 6, but we're going to focus on verse 9. Yea, though he live a thousand years twice told, 
yet hath he seen no good, do not all go to one place. All the men, it doesn't matter if you're wise, it doesn't matter if you're strong. Uh, all, verse 7, all the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite not, is not filled. For what hath the wise man more than the fool? What hath the poor that knoweth to walk before the living? And here's the verse I want to focus on. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. And, and what Solomon is talking about, he's talking about the gap. Kind of like what we were just talking about. There's a gap between who God is and what we think God ought to be. What he's talking about, he's saying, there is a gap between what a person has and what a person wants sometimes. And when so what Solomon concludes then is after a life full of regret, he says this, it's better to appreciate what you already have than to spend your life constantly chasing after the things you might never get. You're better off being thankful for the things that you have than you are chasing after something that you might never get. And here's why. Because if, our, if your mindset or my mindset is this, if I can just get that, I'll be happy. As soon as you catch what you're chasing, you're going to discover this very important thing. It cannot satisfy your soul. It cannot meet the deepest needs. And by the way, I want to say this tonight, that your deepest need, your biggest need is, is Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if anybody's in here tonight and you say, I don't know that if I died today that I'd spend eternity in heaven. I'm telling you this, of all the things you hear tonight, hear this, that Jesus Christ has offered you salvation and by faith you can receive it this evening. Place your faith in Jesus. Don't leave without doing that. So, because what we'll do is we'll chase our whole lives. We'll chase after these things that we think that we need. And every time we catch it, we'll find out it doesn't satisfy. See, here's the thing. Once you get it, if your mindset is, I need something else. Once you finally get what you've been chasing, the mindset doesn't change. Now that you have something new, you'll just start looking for something else to satisfy your soul. The process never ends. And that's what Saul, That's why he said that it's vanity and vexation of spirit. Vanity is emptiness. So he's saying that chase for something more, it's empty. He says vexation of spirit. Vexation is trouble. Um, but some define that phrase as this, um, chasing the wind. And that's something you'll never catch. He said the, 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 the pursuit of things that you don't have, even if you catch them, they won't give you what you thought they were going to give you. See, here's what happens. In the process of chasing what we desperately want, we become discontent with what we already have. And this can happen in many ways. When we start living, and I use this in our Quieting a Noisy Soul series, we start living by this phrase, if only. I mean, if only I had a different job. If only my boss didn't play favorites. If only my coworkers did their jobs. If only my car wasn't rusted. That's a South Dakota if only, by the way. 
If only I had a more reliable car. If only I had a newer car. If only, we're looking over, over here the whole time. If only my ho our house was bigger. If only it was newer. If only our washer and dryer were more reliable. If, if only our dryer would dry in less than three hours. You know, that'd be nice. Uh, if only I had nicer clothes. I just can't afford them. If only I looked different. If only I felt better. If only my health was better. And if only I had more money. And if only I had more money. And if only I had more money. I mean, that one is a big one, right? And if only I didn't have so many bills. And if only gas weren't, wasn't so expensive. And if only this or that. And we find something with everything in life. I mean, if only things were different at church. I mean, it can happen in everything. It can also happen with people. You know, if only my spouse would change. Usually, if that's our mindset, it's not just the spouse that needs to change, by the way. If only my spouse would change. If, o if only, kids, if only my siblings weren't so annoying. If only my parents were less strict. If only my parents would trust me. Uh, if only to those that are single. If only I was married. And those that are married, if only I was married to somebody that loved me more. If only I was married to somebody that loved the Lord. And some saying, if only I had children. I mean, this process is never ending. There's always an if only. If only, if only, if only. And here's the problem with that mindset. When we focus on what we don't have, it's impossible to be thankful for what we do have. I know life isn't perfect. I mean, it's not. Nobody has a perfect life. I mean, jobs aren't perfect. Churches aren't perfect. Fa your family isn't perfect. And you can either focus on what's not perfect or you can focus on a week like this or you can focus on what God has already provided you. Because if we believe that God is good and we believe that his gifts are good enough for us, then what we have is exactly what he wants us to have. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wondering of the desire. I want you to think of it this way. Listen, your job may not be perfect, but would you rather not have a job or be thankful for the one who, that God has already provided? In your car... It may be a rust bucket, but would you rather walk through the cold South Dakota winters? Uh, your house, it may not be the newest, but would you rather go without a roof during a rainstorm? And your health may not be great, but God still has you breathing, which means he has a purpose for your life still. And better is the, is the sight of the eyes than the wondering of the desire. Focus on what you do have. I mean, your finances are, may be tight. They are for most people. But has God ever not taken care of your needs? Uh, your spouse is certainly not perfect, but neither are you. And if God gave you that person, don't be unthankful for the gift that they are. Don't be so focused on what they aren't that you miss out on what they are. Kids, your siblings may drive you crazy and you may not understand, um, you know, what they're thinking half the time. But can you imagine not having that brother or sister? 
And, and would you rather be an only child? Don't answer that question, some of you. You're thinking. Now, you may not be married, but don't be so focused on that that you miss out on the opportunities God gives to you in your singleness. If marriage is God's gift and he hasn't given, chosen to give you that yet, believe that the gifts has, God has already given you are good enough for you. Listen, those children, parents that are keeping you up at night and you're pulling your hair out because it doesn't seem like they're learning the training lessons. I know it's a frustration, but just stop sometimes and think, can you imagine life without them? I believe our biggest problem with thankfulness is not that we forget to be thankful. It's that we become so focused on what we don't have that we diminish the value of what God has already given us. And listen, here's a big reason this is important. The more we have, the more likely we are to take all the stuff we have for granted. Which means that us Americans, we better pay attention to a principle like Ecclesiastes 6.9. See, it's like the old adage, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. In many ways, that's what Solomon is saying here when he says, better is the sight of the eyes than the wondering, uh, the wondering of the desire. He's saying, basically, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And in my experience, we have a lot more birds in our hands than we stop to be thankful for. And if your eyes already see it, Listen, that's better than something you may never get. And even if you do get what you think you need, you, it can't satisfy you on the level that God's gifts can. I read a story about a very wealthy man named William Randolph Hearst, and probably many of you have heard about him. He was a newspaper um, publisher. He, he inherited the San Francisco Examiner from his father, um, and was a very, very wealthy man. If you've ever heard of or been to the Hearst Castle in California, then you know of his excess. He built this, I mean, literally a castle overlooking the Pacific Ocean uh, near San Simeon. It's on a 250,000 acre ranch in California. It's a National Historic Landmark now. You can take tours of it. And it's a testament to his insatiable desire for art and treasure. He was one of those guys that just had all the money he could ever spend and he spent it collecting art and treasure and rare pieces. Well, on one occasion, Hearst heard about a piece, some artwork that he really wanted and he was determined to buy it. So he sent his agent on a quest to find it and the, the search took his agent overseas and basically to many corners of the world trying to find this art piece. And after some time away, his agent comes back to him and says, I, I've got great news. We found the art piece, the artwork that you've been looking for. And he said, and it's not going to cost you a penny to get it. And Hearst said, really? What, I mean, what's going on? How? I mean, how is this going to happen? And his agent said, because it's in a crate in your warehouse. You already own it. I mean, he had already bought it at some point, didn't even know he had it, and it was among uh, many other crates in his warehouse, this artwork that had never, crate after crate, that had never even been opened. 
And here's the takeaway that I want you to get this simple thought tonight out of Ecclesiastes 6.9. Is this, the chase for what we don't have will blind us from the blessings God has already given us. The chase for what we don't have will blind us from the blessings God has already given us. We focus so much on what we don't have that we take what we do have for granted. It's amazing how we see this at play even this week, right? Okay, so Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is a holiday that is supposed to be about all the blessings we have, right? It's about all the things God has done for us, about all the ways he's blessed us, about um, the people he's given us, about um, the, just the joys of life and the, the little things. And we're supposed to be thankful and focused on what we already have. But what's the day after Thanksgiving? Black Friday. So we're seeing this very principle play out in our culture this week that Thanksgiving is supposed to be a time that we set aside to focus on what God has given us and be thankful for the blessings and yet the next day it's like yeah that's what you have on Thursday but here's what you don't have on Friday and you've got to go chase it and some people will, will park and, and, and stay out all night in front of a store so they can be the first in line to buy the TV and, and literally we're watching the, the desire for what we don't have blind us to the things that we're holding already. This week is a perfect example of how that works in our lives. I just want to tell you this week, encourage you this week to do Thanksgiving right this year. Focus on your present blessings. Focus not on what you don't have, but focus on what you're already holding. And for some of us, it's our family. It's a spouse we've taken for granted. It's a, our children that we've taken for granted. Kids, it could be that you're, you've been taking your parents for granted that love you so dearly. It could be that we're taking our church for granted. And we're thinking about all the things that it's not. I know it's not a perfect place, but we can become so focused on what it's not that we forget there's a lot of good things happening at Eastside Baptist Church. Don't take it for granted. Don't, maybe you've been taking your job for granted. You've been upset or, or just you know, frustrated by it. Um, but the fact is that God has given you a job to pay for your bills. It could be that your car, you really wish you could upgrade it. And yet God has given you one that runs and be thankful for it. I mean, what are you taking for granted this year? What blessings that God has already given you that you're already holding have you lost sight of because you can't stop looking at something else that you'd like to have instead? Maybe we need to correct that by spending some time thanking God for what we already have. So I'd like to end a little bit differently tonight. I'd like to end with a time, a special time of, of Thanksgiving prayer. And I'd like to ask every person that's capable maybe then even to bow and to get on our faces and our knees before the Lord in humility and acknowledge his blessings. I mean, and, and, I'm, and I want to encourage you, don't use this as a time to ask for anything. Don't go out, don't go out with hands like this. Go out with hands like this. 
You know, that we're not asking you to fill our hands. We're giving you praise for the things you've already filled our lives with. It just express thanks for the blessings and the people that maybe you have taken for granted in your life. The things, the gifts that God has already given you that you've overlooked because you're looking for something else. And also, don't be in a hurry. Take the time that you need and because you can't and you shouldn't rush Thanksgiving. When you're done, you can go ahead and sit back up and, and I'm going to close in prayer and dismiss the service. But I would love for us as a church family this week to come before the Lord in Thanksgiving and worship by bowing. And just to let him know we're not asking for anything. We're just coming to say thank you. I had a friend uh, tonight, right before the service, um, about 4.45, I see his, his name pop up on my cell phone. And, and uh, you know, we haven't talked in months. It's been a long time. His name popped up, and, he, and I answered and said, hey, how are you? And he said, hey, good to hear from you. Uh, hey, I'm just calling. just want to let you know. I'm not calling to ask you for anything. Because a lot of times when he calls, he's asking me for something because, you know, we're just, he needs something from me or, you know. And he said, I just wanted to call and I just wanted to talk. And, and let's do that tonight. Let's not get on our knees and say, God, would you give me this? God, would you give me this? God, would you give me this? Let's say, God, you've given me this. And you've given me this. And you've given me this. And the things that are the most important things to me are what I am most likely to take for granted. And would you help me tonight, tonight, this week, to not take the blessings of God for granted anymore? Let's just come before him and acknowledge this verse again, the truth. Better is the sight of the eyes, what I'm already holding, than the wandering of the desire. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.